Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for This Podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me. I'm Father John. I'm the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. I'm here this first week of the new year with my sister and partner on mission, Mary Guilfoyle. Mary, Happy New Year. Hey, Father John. Happy New Year to you, too. Thanks. I hit the record button this time. We had, I don't know, about five minutes of conversation, and Father goes... It was brilliant, um, (laughs) too. It was probably the best thing we've ever said. Hit the and button. I didn't hit record button. <laughs> That's what happens when you put me in charge of technology. That's and you know why that happened is because I'm sitting in a different spot. You are. I usually sit right over there, but we now have um, a lot of video equipment in the podcast room, so it's squeezing my space out. So I switch seats. So that was on me, Father. Sorry. Nope, that was on me. It's okay. It's a huge effort. There's actually a big button. It's not that a big says, reach. Push here. It's not a big reach. And I didn't do that. So given that, uh, what's our topic today? So we have a. We have an interesting topic today. I think you're going to find um, um, it rather provocative. So um, we're going to talk about, I had the second coming of Jesus wrong for most of my life. And that's me. That's the I there is me. And I wanted to go after this because I think it's actually most people that I know. And I think if we get it right, it changes how we live our lives right now. And it mobilizes us for mission. That's that's really the whole point. And if you had it wrong, I'm sure I had it wrong too, as we're going to hear as we start to flesh out this conversation. But I know we're going to need the Spirit to join us. So before we jump in, how about we pray? Yeah, let's do that. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for the beginning of this new year, uh, this time to uh, focus our minds and our hearts on that real day, that glorious day when your son will manifest himself to all the nations and everyone will see uh, what is already the reality, namely that Jesus is Lord of heaven and of earth and all things will be made well. Lord, help us to see more clearly now what it is that you're asking us to do with our lives uh, and to do it with utmost confidence and trust in you. Continue to give us uh, generous hearts and wills so that we would be agents of recreation in this world until that real day comes. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So let's do this. Uh, Beginning of Advent, last Sunday. And let's just start by um, looking again at that second reading. So why don't you read um, that reading from Paul's first letter to. to the Thessalonians. Right. So Paul writes... Brothers and sisters, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we have for you, so as to strengthen your hearts to be blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his holy ones. Okay, so stop right there. So I just want to ask you a question. So when you hear that reading, Jesus coming... What do you picture? And then I'll tell you what I picture. So, wow, this is really like, here comes the discomfort of just showing you my heart. What's in your mind? So in my mind, like I see Jesus coming in glory. So hang on, let me stop you there. Where is he now? He's coming from somewhere else, meaning he's not here, like in my mind. Yeah, so, he's coming in glory. Okay, so just stop there. So Because I, I think that's how a lot of people live. Like Jesus is somewhere else right now. I mean, how else to explain why everything's just messed up, right? So right. in other words, 
though we say Jesus is Lord, I don't think we really live with that mindset. It's more like, um, no, Jesus will be Lord one day. But that's not true. Jesus is Lord right now. We're living in this kind of in-between time. And now and then not yet. Yeah, right? the already but the not yet. Right. That's right. So Jesus is already Lord, but he's obviously not yet fully reigning or things wouldn't be messed up. But he's coming, which means he's somewhere else right now. So I envision he's far away. So I envision him coming <laughs> okay. on a white horse or something right now in glory, coming on the clouds, coming from heaven. Which Coming, is somewhere else. Right, which is somewhere else, not here. Probably far away. <laughs> Coming in glory. Coming to get me. And then where's he going to take you? And when I hear Paul, I'm, I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, my whole life is for this moment preparing. And he's coming to take me away with him somewhere else. He's coming to take me to heaven. Right. Like, okay. that's how I hear that, Father yeah, John. Which yeah. is exactly how I heard it. Oh, well, that makes me feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's how most people hear it. And I don't think it's true. Okay, so tell me more. So, Why? So, you know, so even in, the, even in the prayer when we pray the rosary every day, right? You know, that, that whole line of uh, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. And to be sure, I mean, like, of course, like the world now is not how it's intended to be. Jesus has begun the work of recreation with his resurrection, but it's still not yet fully what he will make it when he makes all things right. new, right? And so, yes, we weep and we cry and there's injustice and there's ugliness and there's, there's sin and there's all sorts of things that are happening now. But we pray, I think our mindset oftentimes, my mindset until not that long ago was something like, just get me out of here. It's like heads down. Focus on growing in holiness, virtue, and whatnot until that day when he takes me away from all of this. Yeah, right? and, and, and that's, that's not how we're supposed to live, right? So I think our idea is that Jesus is going to come. He's going to take us away from here. And, the, and the, the ramification of that is, therefore, this world and our life in it doesn't matter except for growing in holiness so that I can be ready to quote unquote, get to heaven. I preached that a lot. I think mm. I lived that a lot and mission or anything related to mission was usually simply driven by the great commandment to love God and to love my neighbor. So therefore I should do something to love my neighbor. But I don't think that's how we're supposed to live our lives. And I don't think that's what the scripture means. So Paul's talking here in this reading he uses a word, so Advent means coming right? Huh? or arrival. The word Paul uses is parousia, which is not a biblical word. Where does that come from then? It's an empire word. Hmm. In other words, it's used, for the, it's used for the king, that is to say the emperor of Rome. Here's what Paul says. This is a great passage, or th excuse me, this is what N.T. Wright, um, kind of a great Anglican Pauline scholar, um, this is how he puts it. As far as Paul's concerned, Jesus is not, quote unquote, absent or far away. But I think that's exactly how I live my life all the time. Like, where are you? <laughs> you know? So again, it's this tension of he's already Lord, Lord of yep, here, right of now, earth. But not yet fully manifested or there wouldn't be the problems, right? Wright goes on to say, as the risen sovereign of the whole world, he's always present and powerful. 
But one day, this powerful presence will be revealed in action in a new way. When, in the perception of those to whom he is thus revealed, it will seem as though he has, in fact, arrived like a king returning from abroad to reclaim his rightful possession, he will, quote-unquote, come from heaven to earth, not for a brief visit, not to take me away from here, but to combine the two into one. So this, this language that Paul's using here in his uh, letter to the church in um, Thessalonica comes from a visit from the emperor to a city. That's the imagery that Paul's given here. Jesus is, and, and, and in doing this, this is a political statement. <laughs> it, it's like Paul's saying, not so subtly, Caesar is not king, even though everybody's hailing him as king. Jesus is king. And the real king, just like you all know, like Caesar has visited our city in the past, um, that gives you an image of what's going to happen when the real king visits not a city, but this world which he loves. And that's, I think, what, what sets up everything. This is a world which God loves. So Jesus isn't trying to snatch me out of here. To be sure, when, when the Lord comes back in glory, he will remake everything, right? Behold, I make all things new, right? So in the meantime, as we live between the now and the not yet, we're called also then not to abandon the world because God has not abandoned the world, right? right. Am I hearing that right? Exactly right. And I think what the enemy does, this is how temptation works for many of us. So if I have the wrong mindset about Jesus's return, namely, he's going to come and he's going to take me out of here. So like, just get me out of here and help me to do the things I need to do to get ready for that, namely like root out sin so that when I stand in front of you, I can go to that other place. Then what happens is, it, at least in my case, and I think in many people's cases, it lent um, something like fuel to the fire of the temptation of the enemy to, to approach the world with one of two mindsets. Either things are so messed up here, it's not even worth trying to get involved. Or it doesn't really matter because we're all leaving here anyway. And the reality is, no, things are not so messed up that I'm not supposed to get involved. If we all, as disciples of Jesus, if we all abandon the structures, the systems, all and, the injustices and the of the world right. to those who do not know him, well, then what's going to happen? It will only get worse, right? When instead, we're supposed to use the gifts that God's given us, those charisms, huh? those supernatural gifts right. that he's given us and our natural talents in such a way that we go, okay, Lord, I understand that on Easter Sunday, you began the recreation, the healing, the transformation, the restoration. The reconciliation. Of all this that, world. Right. Now, my task as a disciple, filled with your spirit, until you come again and make all things new, is to continue that work by doing what I can to be an agent of recreation, an agent of restoration, an agent of healing, an agent of reconciliation, whatever it might be, right? Versus 
I'm just going to let the world go to hell. And I think maybe many people listening haven't thought that way. That's exactly how I thought. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking through what you're saying. And we, we often say here in Acts 29, we're all about building for and advancing the kingdom of God. So to allow God to use us as all those agents in all the ways that you just mentioned, that is to be about his work, con- continuing the work of advancing the kingdom of God. So just not going out and making disciples of all nations because you and I were having a conversation about the Great Commission. You know, so what are we asked to do? We're supposed to go out into all the world and proclaim that Jesus is Lord and to bring people to Jesus Christ. And that's part of it, but that's not all of it, you were telling me. Yeah, and it's not only part of it, but the reason I would have done it before or one of my mindsets would have been so that you too can get out of here and quote unquote get to heaven. But the idea is, no, 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 to lead you into the encounter with Jesus so that you too will surrender to him so that you then will join me in being mobilized for mission to together now build for the kingdom in anticipation of the day when Jesus will come back. And it might cost us our lives, like because... Um, the it often does. Of the age, it often does. It, you know, is, is not really up for this. And so there will be conflict. But, it, but that's our task. This is why I think um, um, in the rescue project, you flesh out for us at the very, very end of that experience um, the need to get clear on the mission. And I know when, when, when you have um, taught that before in other, in, in, in other spaces, it's like a light bulb goes off in people's minds and you're going, oh my gosh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing now, other than, you know, creating these holy huddles and just trying to get out of here in good shape. Yeah, because, and so, uh, because I think it, it helps it helps me anyway answer the question, what am I supposed to be doing now? now. Other than growing in holiness, which by all means is like really important. I'm not trying to diminish that in the least. And here, here's, this was my bias that I had to overcome or my hang up. Um, I, I often... Uh, joke about this, you know, there's there's a song that we used to sing in church, maybe some places still do, let us build the city of God, which um, I always used to say uh, when I would get to a parish, like there's a couple of songs we can't sing here. That's, <laughs> That's one, one of them. Of them. <laughs> you know, and so I want to just address that real quick because it sounds like we're saying, no, 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 let's sing that song and, and let's do more than sing the song, let's do it. Um, we can't build the city of God. But you make the point that we can build for. Yeah, and I'm just stealing right again because I think he's spot on. And I've had this conversation with a whole set of friends, you know, and pretty good theologians who are probably a lot better than me and some bishops to make sure I'm not in heresy. But I think it's great. This is what Wright says. He says, um, he's actually joking, much like I would uh, with regards to that song. He says, He's posing the question, someone saying, doesn't that sound as though you're trying to build God's kingdom by your own efforts? And so he goes on to say, if it does sound like that, I'm sorry, it wasn't meant to sound like that. And same with us right Mm -hmm. now. He says, perhaps some further clarification is needed. And I think this is so helpful because it helps also to understand um, uh, an expression that we use, it's more than an expression, it's reality, namely, what does it mean to be made in the image and likeness of God? And so for someone like me, who, you know, much of my life has been deeply influenced by John Paul's theology of the body, I've taught oftentimes, and this is true, it's just not comprehensive enough, 
that to be in the image and likeness of God or a key part of that is to be relational because who's God? God's three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is relation. And so to be made in his image is to be made for relationship, which means to be made for love. Very true. So make sure you don't misunderstand me. But it's not all that that means. And I think Wright has some great insights here, which help, particularly for getting this mindset right, so that you and I can be faithful to the mission that we feel like Jesus has given us in Acts 29, which is to mobilize people for mission. That's what this podcast episode's all about. So Wright says this. He says, God builds God's kingdom. Let's be clear about that. In other words, I don't. Right. But God ordered his world in such a way that his own work within that world takes place not least through one of his creatures, in particular, namely, the human beings who reflect his image. That, he says, I believe, is central to the notion of being made in God's image. Now, I'm not sure if that's true or not. I might take issue with him on that. I think maybe relationship is central, but it's not enough. He goes on to say, God intends his wise creative, loving presence and power to be reflected, imaged, if you like, into this world through his human creatures. He's enlisted us to act as his stewards in the project of creation and following the disaster of rebellion and corruption, the fall, right? He has built into the gospel message the fact that through the work of Jesus and the power of the Spirit, he equips humans to help in the work of getting the project back on track. So the objection about us trying to build God's kingdom by our own efforts, though it seems humble and pious, can actually be a way of hiding from responsibility of keeping one's head well down when the boss is looking for volunteers. Not that one can go on eluding God's call forever, but still. And that's how I lived. I don't know if anybody else has lived this way or not, but my gosh, I'm a priest of, you know, quarter of a century. And I know that's how I lived. Mm -hmm. I shared this passage with a, a priest friend of mine not too long ago, and he called almost immediately and says, that's exactly how I've lived for most of mm -hmm. my life. And I think it's, it, it's not uncommon for most. He, say, he goes on to say one last thing, which mm -hmm. I think is important just to flesh this out. He says, by all means, we need to distinguish between the final kingdom and the present anticipations of it. The final coming together of heaven and earth is, of course, God's supreme act of new creation, for which the only real prototype, other than the first creation itself, was the resurrection of Jesus. God alone will sum up all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. He alone will make the new heavens and the new earth. It would be the height of folly to think that we could somehow assist in that great work. But we can and must in the present, if we are obedient to the gospel, if we're following Jesus, if we are indwelt, energized, directed by the spirit, then we can build for the kingdom. And nothing we do, he goes on to say, quoting Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians, when it's done for the kingdom is in vain. And I think that mindset that's what mobilizes us to mission. So here we are, it's Advent, beginning of the new year. We're hearing this discussion about, you know, Jesus's return. And all we're trying to help people see, and maybe this is absolutely irrelevant for most people, and it's just me. Um, 
is that the Lord doesn't want to come and take me out of here. The Lord's going to come back and make all things new, and, and we need to, and should be anyway, daily asking him, Lord, how do you want to use me right. today What's the word? to continue that work of recreation that you began on Easter Sunday, mm-hmm. waiting at the same time for the day when you're going to come back and make all things perfect? So, Father, I think, I think it's been a very helpful conversation just sitting on this side of the table alone. So we're hearing that there is work for us to do. You know, I think one of the things I think about as I'm just listening to you unpack right is um, early on in my uh, walk with the Lord Jesus, it was very much a vertical relationship, you know, right? Yeah. So, so, so right. it was kind of like this Jesus and me thing and so critical. I mean, you know, so important, but it has to be both. It has to be the vertical and it has to be the horizontal. But as you were just wrapping up that, you know, that excerpt from um, Wright's book, Surprised by Hope, it's almost like I could hear him echo what Archbishop Vigneron has said to us. God wants his world back. God wants his children back. Right. And so there's work for us to do in the world. We can't abandon the work and it's not for naught. Right. Right That's right. right. Yep. Mission matters, you know, and the mission isn't simply aimed at helping someone to come to know Jesus so that they too can then escape the world. You know, we use oftentimes when we're out on mission, um, if you want to, if you want to reflect on this uh, in light of say, you know, uh, some church um, document or whatnot, go Google Pope John Paul II's homily, not from standing at the loggia the night he was elected, as Pope, but his very first homily, where he, where he over and over again says, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. And he implores the world to don't be afraid, to open the doors wide to Jesus. And he talks there like, open, open, let the Lord come into politics, systems, structures. He's not simply trying to evangelize in the sense that you just talked about in this vertical relationship. He understands that the gospel is given to us to permeate and to penetrate and to invade all of human life. And that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing right now until he comes back. That's right. And, And that's wherever God has called you in education, in law, in medicine, in all those spheres Wherever, whatever our sphere of influence is. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So maybe, you know, it's, it's New Year's. New Year's is time for resolution. Maybe a helpful resolution for, for many of us might be simply, Lord, help me understand what is my mission? Like right now, you know, today or this week, do you want to use me? We, we had somebody who was at the rescue um, project mission that we filmed uh, told us that they went home. They were so moved by the spirit with this idea that I'm supposed to be an agent of reconciliation. They had a, uh, a sibling they were uh, separated from or estranged from. They went home and they, the Lord just moved them in such a way that I think they bought flowers, showed up at the door of their sibling and just, you know, reconciled. And it went smashingly, right? No, it doesn't always. But that's somebody who took seriously, hey, I'm supposed to be an, an instrument in Jesus's hands right now that he wants to bring into the world. And so, my family, yeah, because, yeah, that's wherever, what, because what that person did. Yeah, wherever the, right. whatever the world, quote right. unquote, is, so that people can be liberated, so that relationships can be healed, so that structures that are bent can be made straight, all of that. Right. So this is our task, some tasks. So 
there's no reason to be bored right now. Welcome to your New Year's resolution, people. <laughs> wow, yeah, and there's, there's, I don't know, as I read the news, it looks like there's a few places where the gospel is dying to be welcome. brought into. Yeah, Amen. Exactly. Amen, so Father let's, John. Let's do that. Let's do it with courage and trust because Jesus is Lord. And, but let's not do it um, naively. It's going to create some opposition if we do it because the enemy is still prowling around. But just remember, the enemy is the enemy, which is to say the devil. It's not some other human person, right? All right, Alrighty, ready to go? here we go. We got our marching orders. Okay, so uh, this is our task. This is what it's all about until Jesus comes back, and he will come back. And when he comes back, everything, <laughs> everything will be well. And because all of that is true, because he is Lord right now, do not be afraid. God is with you, and you were born for this. 